Today's podcast is brought to you by Howie's new book, Paperboy. To order today, go to HowieCarshow.com and click on store. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio, it's the Grace Curley Show. we got to bring in a new voice, a young voice, a rising voice, Grace Curley. You can read Grace's work in the Boston Herald and the Spectator. Especially, Grace, Grace, stand up. Here's the millennial with the mic, Grace Curley. Welcome back, everyone, to the Grace Curley Show. It's amazing watching all of these cities, these Democrat-run cities, grapple with a problem that they had such a big hand in creating, and that would be the illegal aliens overwhelming their cities that don't have the infrastructure to handle this, in case you haven't heard from Bretton and Johnson and Eric Adams. Their cities weren't built to handle unvetted illegal aliens pouring into their hotels, their migrant shelters. And of course, my follow-up would be the country is not built for this. I've said this all week long. Because every time I hear one of these sound bites of a mayor from whether it's Chicago, New York City, any of these cities saying, you know, we're not built for it. No, no place is built for it. No place is built for chaos At least not if it wants to be any sort of successful, safe place. There has to be, what's the expression? Strong fences, make good neighbors, something along those lines. I don't even care if I got it right because you all know what I mean. And all the people who told us every time, every time a Republican, an evil conservative, a xenophobe would say, we need to enforce our laws, we were told that we should look at the Statue of Liberty. Do you know what the Statue of Liberty says? Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses. Like that was always the that was always the reference point. Oh, okay, xenophobe. You think that Joe Biden and his administration should enforce the laws? I don't think you've read the Statue of Liberty. Well, it turns out that Eric Adams hasn't read the Statue of Liberty. It turns out that all of these people who are big on sanctuary cities don't really like sanctuary cities when they have to be sanctuary cities. Funny how that works. Now, Eric Adams, of course, is dealing with mushrooming scandals. He's dealing with, he's an embattled mayor. He's embattled. And I find it pretty courageous, dare I say, of Brandon Johnson, the mayor of Chicago, to also, in his own way, speak out against the Biden administration. Because I don't know if I would, I don't know if I would, if I would take that bet at this point. But these, these politicians, it's, it's a really, I feel like I use the word interesting a lot. I'm trying to break myself of that habit. It's worth watching how this plays out because you have these politicians who are caught between a rock and a hard place. And like I said, I do not, I, I, I do not want to give the impression that it's not their fault. It is. They're, they're terrible politicians and, and probably just not very good people. But we'll save that for another day. But when I say they're, they're caught in kind of a, a lose-lose situation, it's like they have voters who are 
angry. You get these videos of these town hall meetings, of these meetings in the south side of Chicago, of these meetings in the Bronx. People are angry. People do not like their kids' schools being used, the gymnasiums in their kids' schools being used to house a lot of, you know, older male single migrants. Um, they, they're worried about their children's safety. They're worried about the resources in the city being sent to people who are not citizens. And they're voicing their anger with, in this case, Brandon Johnson and Eric Adams. And so I think these politicians look at this and they go, okay, I'm, I'm taking all the hits here. I'm being blamed for this craziness. And then at the same time, though, if they speak too harshly about the Biden administration, we know how this administration works. Like there will be consequences. You start getting those phone calls and be ashamed if something were to happen. You know, you keep saying really critical things of uh, the big guy. I don't know if this is going to work for you. And so they're trying to navigate or walk this fine line. And it's like a tightrope for them. That's why they always keep putting in this whole it's, you know, our city's not built for it. Because they want to let the Biden administration know, hey, just so you know, we're cool with this happening in red states. Like, we're still cool with this happening at the border. You know, you want to do this in El Paso, that's fine. But you just got to help us out here because we can't handle it here. We have liberal elites in our cities who don't like this. They liked it in theory. They liked it on paper. And by on paper, I mean on the signs in front of their homes. But they don't like it in reality. And so if you could maybe just bring things back to the old way, because none of these people had a problem with the old way. The old way, which is border towns in Texas, border towns in Arizona have to deal with the influx, have to deal with the crime, have to deal um, with the craziness. But the big, shiny cities don't have to worry about it. And now they do, and they don't like it. And it's... It's hysterical. It's hysterical to watch. And, and it does make me sad to a degree because I love New York City. And I love Chicago, too. Like, all these places, they were, they were so wonderful. And, and I still think they could be wonderful again. But it's sad what happens when you put Democrats in charge. Elections have consequences. And I think a lot of these voters are starting to realize it. The crazy thing about Chicago, though, is that they realized it with Lori Lightfoot. They kicked her out and they put in someone who's arguably worse so maybe they're not figuring it out. Well, it is, it's that meme about socialism where it's like basically sticking a fork into an electrical socket and saying, yeah, but nobody's done it right yet. Yeah. And that's really what's going on in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. No, I wouldn't disagree. Um, all right, so we have a, a story for you here. This is from the main wire. It's from 2020, but a friend of mine, I won't name who, a friend of mine just sent it to me, and it gives you a little more information on Bellows, who's making news right now. Shenna Bellows, the main secretary of state, she's creating a lot of headlines with her decision to kick Trump off the ballot. So this is from the main wire. It says, Bellows weighs $74,000 in taxpayer funds to take over as secretary of state. She was the incumbent senator running for re-election in Senate District 14 during the general election in 2020. She ran a clean campaign, meaning she did not privately finance her candidacy and instead relied on main taxpayers to foot the bill. She received, according to MainCampaignFinance.com, $74,150 this year. 
again, this is from 2020, in Maine Clean Election Act's funds to fuel her campaign. She repaid the hardworking taxpayers of Maine by running for Secretary of State and vacating the public office she won with public money just a matter of weeks ago. In other words... Do you hear the toilet flushing? Because that was $74,000 in taxpayer funds going down the drain. She was duty-bound, Grace, to misappropriate those funds. She was. To enrich herself. She was duty-bound and she was obligated. Now, as we're talking about Bellows, we should play a couple of these sound clips, Jared. I want to go to CNN because CNN's legal analyst, and this always makes, it makes me so sad whenever I read a story about CNN's legal analyst and it's not Jeffrey Tubin, because I remember... You got to turn off the filter to be able to get those. Jared, I remember when CNN had a legal analyst who we could trust. Damn, Jeffrey Tubin. And now we have Eli Honig. And Eli's actually, compared to other people on CNN, he's not that bad. Um, he was the same legal analyst. Constantly seen in pants. Who? <laughs> He's got this weird habit of keeping his pants on. We can't seem to figure it out. But he was on last week and he was talking about the Colorado decision and he was going back and forth with, I think, John Avalon, Jared. And John Avalon was talking about how, oh, yo, there's this loophole. And Eli Honig had to correct him and say, due process is not a loophole. Due process is what a lot of this country, it's one of the, it's a bedrock of the United States of America. And... He was on CNN again today talking about Bellows's ruling. This is cut five. Is were the processes, were these hearings fair? Did they comport with due process? And I think there's a question there with regard to what Maine did, because if you look at the hearing and she details this in the in the ruling, they heard from one fact witness, a law professor. She based her ruling on a lot of documents, but also YouTube clips, news reports, things that would never past the bar in normal court. She's not a lawyer, by the way. It's a smartly written decision, clearly consulted with lawyers, but this is an unelected. She's chosen by the state legislature. She's elected by the chosen state legislature. Uh, chosen, elected by the legislature, but not democratically elected, not a knock. That's just the way it's set up in Maine. And this hearing, look, it doesn't have to be a criminal trial. We don't have to have all the protections. But I think the argument you'll hear from opponents is, one, not up to the states to do this. This is why we have Wait, all different on. decisions from all different second? states. He's talking with John Berman, and John Berman says elected by the state legislature. So he's trying to say, well, yeah, she's not elected by Maine voters, but she's elected by other Maine hacks. She, she's elected by other politicians. I mean, the people voted for the people that chose her. So yeah, yeah, ipso yeah. facto by the rules of electricity. If A equals uh, B and B equals C, then A equals C. So they, they must have wanted this because of the people they voted for. I right? love how he's so defensive. Like he's ready to go for <laughs> Shanna Bellows. She's got a friend in... Berman, that's for sure. Yeah, a YouTube clip and a witness, a one law professor. Why do I doubt that it was Jonathan Turley? I just have a feeling it wasn't him. It was and, probably Fry. And I, I love how it says, I love how Eli Honig says that uh, this wouldn't pass the bar in a normal court. There are no normal courts anymore. It's kangaroo courts. That's what we have all over the country. And furthermore, this isn't a court, period. Take Jonathan Turley, the law professor who definitely was not consulted by Shanna Bellows. This is cut six. Well, some of us had stated earlier that we thought Maine would go the way of Colorado. I said that just today in a column uh, of why these challengers went to Maine. Uh, Bellows wrote right after uh, January 6th that it was an insurrection and kept on with those 
uh, criticisms uh, for uh, um, the whole period after that. So she was on the record as saying that Donald Trump, in fact, did engage in an insurrection. So this was one of those challenges where the answer seemed clear. You've got to keep in mind, this is the Secretary of State of Maine. This is not a court. And many of these challenges in states like Colorado were brought by Democratic or approved by Democratic secretaries of state. They then have to face. Jonathan Turley, I would let you know that it's a secretary of state who is voted on by people who are voted on by people. So maybe throw that in. Don't don't discount it so much. Jeez. No, but of course he's right. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. And the, the crazy part is when I was talking to Aaron Chadbourne about this earlier, he kept saying to me, oh, I'm having Shanna Bellows on later this week. And, you know, I think her decision's going to come out Thursday. And then he said, no, I think it's going to come out Friday. And then, you know, so then she makes a decision last night. Aaron texts me. He's like, yeah, so I'm going to have her on tomorrow. And I didn't say this to Aaron when he was on the air, but I thought to myself, there's no way this lady's coming on your show. Like, there's just no way. There's no way that she's going to go on WGAN. She knows the listeners. I love my WGAN listeners. Hello. I love you all. Keep listening. But she knows the political slant. So I'm thinking, there's no way she's going to go into the lion's den and go on with Aaron Chadbourne on WGAN. But now that I think about it, I'm like, well, no, of course she would because in my mind, this is how naive I am. I thought she's going to make this decision, creates such an uproar and then she's not going to do any media because she doesn't want to deal with that's what I would if you really believed in your decision you would say this is my decision people can disagree with it but I'm not going to do media and go on CNN and go on WGAN and go on MSNBC I'm just going to make my decision and then too bad but what I didn't what I didn't factor in Jared is the whole reason she's making this decision is to boost her persona is to boost her notoriety like so people will know who she is and then maybe she'll make a name for herself if she didn't go on and i still am surprised she went on wjn but if she didn't go on msnbc or cnn or any of those places then she's doing herself a disservice in the sense that that's the whole point of this like what's the point of making this terrible decision if you're not going to at least do the media rounds and maybe become a star from it I just don't know why I didn't think of that before. Hey, it's been a long week. It's a holiday week. I'll give myself a break. 844-500-4242. When we come back, we will take your calls. Also, I have an exciting announcement for people about something I'm doing later tonight. So we'll get to that on the other side. Hi, it's Toby from Cape Gunworks. I'm taking all your firearm and self-defense questions every Tuesday. Join Grace and me for 2A Tuesday, Tuesdays at 2 p.m. This is the Grace Curley Show. Welcome back, everyone, to the Grace Curley Show. I thank you all so much for joining us today. We're going to take your calls for the rest of the show. It's 844-500-4242. I I do want to talk a little bit more about the fact that this main secretary of state, Shenabellos, 
that she took into account before making her decision the January 6th report. Because she thinks the January 6th report is something that you can trust. The people that made this report are trustworthy. There's no reason to believe that they might have made anything up or they might have skewed the facts. No. We've got the likes of Adam Schiff. We've got the likes of Jamie Raskin. Of Liz Cheney. Why wouldn't you trust these fine, fine politicians? I mean, that's like you're applying for a loan and the bank gets a note from all of your ex-girlfriends or ex-boyfriends. And they're like, oh, well, this says you're unreliable. Yeah. And they have no no reason reason to lie to us, right? They have no reason to lie to us except for the fact that they're going to make a book out of it. They're going to become famous. They're going to get a job on CNN. They're going to become relevant for the first time. Liz Cheney, who was literally seen as Darth Vader's daughter for decades, is now the darling of the media for the first time in her entire life. But besides that, what do they have to gain from lying about January 6th? Hmm? We'll get into it. Today's poll question is brought to you by J.J. Manning Auctioneers. Whether residential, commercial, or land, J.J. Manning can get your property sold now. To learn more, contact Charlie Gill at 800-521-0111 or go to jjmanning.com. Jared, what is the poll question and what are the results thus far? Today's poll question, which you can vote in at gracecurlyshow.com, is how will the main decision play with independence in 2024? It will push them toward MAGA, push them toward Biden, or it won't change their decision. It will push them towards MAGA. 77% now believe it will push them towards MAGA. 3% believe it will push them towards Biden. And 20% say it won't change their decision. We have like a minute left here. I think I can talk about the Pop-Tart. Right? We've, we've, been, covering, oh, yeah, we've been covering heavy stuff for a Friday afternoon, and we're going to continue to cover it. But there was an unbelievable performance last night at a football game I don't know who who was Kansas State playing I don't know I just know because I'm not gonna pretend to care about the game I don't think anybody at this point cared about the game it was about the pop-tart they have this giant they're playing North Carolina State it was a giant pop-tart mascot Jared and did you see this it went into a giant toaster it cooked itself and then it popped out and Kansas State the football team ate the pop-tart that is American greatness. That is what this country is all about. On a day where, yes, we Look are... Look at a Katy Perry video. Oh, yeah, we're a little bit down and out about the decision out of Maine. It's upsetting to think that political lawfare has become reward has become something that is rewarded in our country. But take solace in the fact that giant Pop-Tarts are being cooked in toasters on TV and being eaten... By football players. You can't tell me that the best is yet to come. We'll be right back. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio. Welcome back, everyone, to the Grace Curley Show. You know, I was just thinking about this because I was talking to Matt in the green room, and he's putting together the morning minute, and he was he said to me, Grace, what do you think Biden's worst gaffe of 2023 is or was? I don't know what the correct tense would be on that. And I 
think I would need so much time, Jared. I think I would have had to have gotten up a lot earlier today to just go through all of them. Is there any for you that really stand out? I would say worst moment. And, and this is this would actually be nice to throw out to the callers and get everybody involved here. If you want to talk about Maine, feel free. We've covered a lot of it. We had a lot of great interviews, if I do say so myself. You can check those out wherever you get your podcasts. But if you have something else that we're missing here, a different component of it, if you think that uh, Shanna Bellows is trying to make a name for herself, I know people think she has other political aspirations, you can feel free to call in with that. We'll take your calls. It's 844-500-4242. And if you also want to talk about the fact that a lot of her decision relied on this January 6th report and how bogus that is, then feel free to call in. But I think another fun thing would be as we wrap up, we haven't really done a lot of wrap up stuff this week. What do you think is Joe Biden's worst moment of 2023? I would say I'm a visual person. I think a picture is worth a thousand words. A video is worth a trillion, a trillion with a T, with a T. I would say the thing that sticks out to me the most from this year was when he was at that graduation ceremony. I think it was maybe for the Marines. And he fell on... Sandbag. He fell on the stage. I was on maternity leave at the time. He fell on the stage. He had a hat on um, or something. There was some sort of ball cap involved. It was the Air Force Academy. Air Force Academy. Thank you, Jared. And he had to be lifted up by several other people. And it was... the, The reason I thought it was the worst moment was because when he falls up the stairs of Air Force One, which we've all seen. He falls and then he makes this mistake where he tries to run faster and then he falls again. But he's got the the stairs to kind of balance himself on and, and try to lift himself up. The part of this one that made it so memorable and, and so sad, really, was that it was a hard fall. Like it was the kind of thing where he needed several people to get him up. He didn't bounce back. Because, Jared, remember at one point that was actually... That was actually a defense from the Biden administration it was like, yeah, he falls down. But you see how quickly he gets up, man, when he gets up, watch out, world. And that was a situation where I was looking at it and I was thinking the bounce back wasn't too fast. The bounce back had me more concerned than the fall itself. So that's one that sticks out to me. Is there anything, Jared, that sticks out to you before I throw this out to the callers? You know, it's funny. Matt also asked me, he's like, hey, what was your favorite, you know, line or gaff or whatever? And it. It's funny. It's almost like there are just so many that I, I'm overloaded and I forget them. Yeah, they all blend um, together. As, as far as bad moments go, the entire, the Ireland trip was this year, right? Yes. The entire Ireland trip was just... A disaster. Fr- just That was the black and tans the mistake. The black and tans um, squeaking on the podium and said, let's go lick the world. Let's go lick the world. Don't forget, he also said, Jared, that was a horrible trip. That, he, he lived there. That was also yeah. when he said that I'm Irish, even though I don't, I don't drink and I don't have any family members in prison. Or like, yeah, it was the I most fight, insulting. I, yeah. I find, as someone who's Irish... I find that it's very hard to offend Irish people. Um, There's really, because we're used to being the butt of a lot of jokes. And there were points of his speech where I thought, wow, if I was someone who could drum up offense, this would be the time. This would probably offend me. And especially if I was was from Ireland, fresh off the boat, I'd be like, what the hell is he talking about? I I don't drink and I don't have any family members in prison. It was a lot of digs at Irish people. And that was also the trip where he and Hunter went to that Irish deli and uh, they kind of had ugly American 
fight where like Hunter cut him in line. He's like, hey, don't cut me in line, Jack. Yeah, it was just the whole thing was just a, that. It was, and that's also supposedly where Hunter slept on a cot at the Irish castle or whatever, right? Yeah, curled up yeah, at the I'm bottom say... of uh, Joe's bed like Michael Scott. <laughs> yeah, he just sees it. Oh, this is where I sleep in this little cot in the same room as my dad. Yeah, okay, sure. Um, one, one other thing, Jared, that I wanted to bring up was something that people forget about is East Palestine. And what's interesting about that is that I was reading a poll because Trump pulled away and he pulled away from the from the other pack in the GOP what feels like a very long time ago. But there was a study out and I was reading about in the New York Post that the actual moment, the, the moment in time where he was able to gain that momentum away from candidates like Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley was when he visited Ohio and, and when after that disaster, he brought McDonald's, he brought water, he talked to people. That was a pivotal moment for Donald Trump, and I would say another terrible moment for Joe Biden, where he was not there. And there, there there's a story. There hasn't been. There's a story today in, the, in Breitbart about how people in Ohio still feel, the residents there still feel like they've been completely abandoned and forgotten. And I think that was one of Trump's best moments and one of Biden's worst moments. And, and if Trump takes anything away from that, the fact that that was where he really dove into uh, a, a lot of positive momentum. It's because he was doing what people like. He was talking to the people. He wasn't focused on Trump. He has a lot of reasons to be angry. He has a lot of reasons to feel like um, he's constantly under attack. I, I don't want to seem like I'm dismissing that. But self-pity is not good box office. People like the Trump that shows up, gives the fist pump, is with people, cares about the American people. That's what plays best for him. It, the proof is in the pudding, is in the eating. As my fellow Irishman Joe Biden once said, let's go to let's go to Maddie. You're up next on the Grace Curley show. Go ahead, Maddie. Hi, Grace. I just tried to reach out to Shannon Bellow office. It's busy, busy, busy. And then it hangs up. I want to really ask her what right does she think that she can keep people to vote whoever they want to vote for on the ballot? It's ridiculous. She's going to jump on this woke bandwagon that everybody seems to like, and it's outrageous. Yeah, and, and you know what, Maddie? I'm, I'm glad you brought up this idea of preventing voters from casting their votes because Jonathan Turley commented on this, and I want to play this for you, Maddie. This is Cut 7. Uh, it is really striking how Bellows cloaks herself as a defender of democracy in this statement when she's preventing voters from casting their vote for what is currently the leading candidate for the presidency. So it's it's a very odd claim to make, in my view. But the theory here, uh, in many of the, our view, many of us view it as being fundamentally flawed. You know, the 14th Amendment, Section 3, deals with insurrection or rebellion. Many of us do not believe it was either. In fact, polling shows that the public views it as a protest that became a riot. I think that is accurate. Yeah, this is the strangest way to save democracy by preventing people from getting on a ballot and then preventing other people from voting for that person. It's a, it's a very maybe I'm just maybe I didn't go to enough of these 
smart schools, Jared. Maybe I didn't go to enough of these Ivy League places where they could explain to me how this works. Because it seems a little backwards, in my opinion. Yeah, and to answer Maddie's question, what she thinks gives her the right to do that is she's an elitist, erudite sophisticate, and you're just a commoner, Maddie. That is her belief system. And Maddie's... And she needs to rule and judge you as if you're some type of slave or serf. Well, Maddie is hitting the nail on the head with the narcissism aspect of this. Because to look at something and go, I'm going to... You can you can feel however you want about Donald J. Trump, but he's a former president. He has a massive, massive group of people in this country who love him, who support him, who want to vote for him. And to think that you are so wise and so important and you know so much better, that's like a Dr. Fauci level God complex to say, I know what's good for you. I'm going to tell you what's good for you. And what's good for you is to not be able to vote for Donald Trump. The hubris, the narcissism involved in making a decision like that is something else. Let's go to Paul. You're next up on the Grace Curley Show. Go ahead, Paul. Hey, Grace. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, sir. Um, you know what? Uh, my favorite Joe Biden gaffe is when he was at the he was at the Hip Hop Hall of Fame, and he was trying to introduce um, LL Cool J. And he introduced him as LLJ Cool. Yeah, that's a little nugget. You know, that we should almost like make a cake and the top tier would be the really big ones that maybe got us into wars or, you know, were, became big problems for the country. And then you have, you know, as you go down the layers of the cake, there's things like that. There's little uh, prescription jugs and things like that that people get a giggle out of. Uh, thanks for the call, Paul. And I'm sure Taylor's going to play a bunch of these today as well. Uh, let's go to Eddie. You're next up on the Grace Curley Show. Go ahead, Eddie. Yeah, Grace, thanks for taking the call. Yeah, I got a couple. I like three months after the Queen was dead, he comes blurting out, God save the Queen. He's already <laughs> All right. Three months. God save the and Queen, the fact man. That he can't get off. <laughs> the fact that he can't get off the stage, he turns his back to the audience, staring at the curtain behind him. I like that, too. But, Grace, I just want to mention, Congratulations to you, because I was watching you guys uh, when you were on YouTube with Howie, and you were just like a little slip of a thing dancing behind him. You've really grown over these years, I got to say, you know, now you're a big star on radio and on a TV. Congratulations, Grace. Thank you, Eddie. And the check is in the mail for all those nice comments. No, thank you very much, sir. I really appreciate it. I appreciate all the listeners. And you know what? This is our last show before New Year's, before the new year. And, um... I feel, not to get emotional, as John Lemon says, I don't like to be the story. You know, I just like to report the stories. But I feel incredibly blessed to have the listeners that I have um, to be here at the Howie Car Radio Network, be surrounded by such a great team. Uh, I know Howie's off this week, but obviously great boss, the mailroom manager as well. And uh, it's been a phenomenal year and both in my personal life and here on the air and I appreciate every single one of you because you guys always encourage me and on that note if you are around tonight I always hesitate to publicize these hits because sometimes they don't work out as you guys are well aware sometimes things change in showbiz but I think tonight I will be on Jesse Waters primetime there's a fill-in host Pete Hegseth and I think I will be appearing on the show at some point. So even if you can't stay, I know it's a little bit later, 
But if you want to record it or if you're out to dinner or something, record it and check it out. I'm hoping that I'm going to make it on TV tonight. All right, 844-500-4242. We'll take one more call here. Fred, you're up next on The Grace Curley Show. Go ahead, Fred. Hey, Grace. Thanks very much. Dittos, if I may say so. (laughs) Um, Just a little back history on Kamala. Uh, She said to always go for the root cause of these problems. The root cause in Maine is we've got three. One is a socialist, one is a rhino, and one is a a malcontent Democrat who brought this to Bellow's attention. And those three people are the ones that instigated all this problem. Yeah, but Maine you know what? Got a history of this. You know what, yeah. Fred? So, so Shanna Bello said the same thing, where she was talking about how this is not something she chose to do. She was obligated to do this under Maine law. She was duty bound to act, and you know we determine this and that. But they can bring forward whatever they want. People bring forward things all the time that are ridiculous. You are not required to agree with it. You are not required to rule in this fashion. And I, I Fred, I totally get what you're saying that there's a big there are bigger problems in Maine than just Shenna Bellows, but that's your job if your Secretary of State is to look at something and go, I can't sign off on this. It's ridiculous. I can't sign off on there being an insurrection if he wasn't charged with an insurrection, if he hasn't had due process. And Fred, I'm sure you have more to say. I do have to cut it there, though, because we're running out of time. Uh, thank you, Fred. Thank you to all the callers. We're going to come back with Taylor Cormier, but just one more time, because I'm feeling so sentimental. Thank you all so much for tuning in every weekday, every year. Jared, how many years have we... What does this bring us to now? Uh, January 4th will be the start of year number four, I believe. No, no. year number three. Year number year three. Year number three. The you know start of year number three. You know what's so crazy? When we first announced we were going to do the show, people were calling me up and being like, oh, congrats on the show. And I said, don't say congrats on the show. I said, congratulate me on the show when we're able to do it for a decent amount of time and people like it. And so now, Jared, I think we can take some congratulations because I do think that people are enjoying it and I really appreciate it. Jared, I appreciate you as well. Great producer, great team here. Um, We will be right back. We're going to talk to Taylor Cormier, who's going to be filling in for Howie Carr, talk about another great show. That's all coming up next. The Grace Curley Show will be right back. This is The Grace Curley Show. The texters are being very nice, and then some people are poking fun at me for getting a little sentimental here at the end of the year. But it was a great year, and I was, I was very, I'm very blessed, and uh, I know I mentioned... And I thanked everybody here at the show and all the listeners. But also, I got to give a huge shout out here because I'm going to be a ham for one more minute to my husband. I have a new baby girl. It was just an incredible year. And my father had such a wonderful year. Great news as far as his health is concerned. And that I just every day I wake up and I just think, how lucky am I? And um, I just I think it's always good to to remember if you're blessed because life can be hard. But sometimes life can also be wonderful, and you got to acknowledge that. And joining me now, speaking of wonderful, is Taylor Cormier for the Car Crossover. The Car Crossover is brought to you by 
ReadyWise, global unrest is battering the food supply chain and the energy markets. It's incumbent on you to be prepared, so get ready with ReadyWise. Go to ReadyWise.com and use code HOWIE20 to get 20% off your next purchase. Taylor, this is the last big show before the new year. What do you got planned for everybody? Well, we've got a ton going on as far as the uh, the main election, uh, the decision by the Secretary of uh, State there to uh, take Trump off the ballot. And we'll probably talk about that the first two hours. We've got the chump line. We've got police blotter facts Friday. And we've got Dr. Matt, the vet at six to come in and take your pet questions heading into the new year. Oh, very, very good. Yeah. So this main secretary of state, this is a huge story, Taylor. I don't think it's really hard to surprise me at this point. But I'm curious, how do you think this is going to play with voters? I think people that were voting for Trump, they're not going to be swayed one way or the other. They're going to vote for Donald J. Trump no matter what. Uh, independence, I think a lot of them can see the persecution that he's going through and say, wow, they really hate this guy and must really want him to not be president anymore. I, for me, that would make me want to vote for him even more. That would sway me. And... I don't know. There's there's other people out there. I think everybody's just so entrenched right now until they look at how this presidency, the Biden administration, has affected their personal lives. I think that's the tipping point for a lot of people. They look at their financial statements. They look at their energy bills. They look at uh, just the cost of living all over in, in every aspect and say they got to take stock of themselves and say things were better from 2016 for, from 2017 to 2021. I think you're right that independents will say, well, the media seems to really, the media and the Democrats seem to really hate this guy. And then you also have to keep in mind that the, the trust right now in our media and in our politicians is at an all-time low. So that will factor in, too, where they'll say, well, I don't really trust their opinion on everything. Let's hope, at least. Taylor Cormier is coming up next. I will see you all in the new year. Enjoy the rest of the show. See you Tuesday.